it's just cognitively gonna be an interesting thing to wrap our heads around probably for both of us that it's like my kid is gonna have grandparents that were immigrants and but also going to have southern ancestry that goes back for many generations um i just think that's a really cool thing it's a really cool thing welcome to don't think twice vj and stevens is the writing and producing duo of amrita vj and andrew stevens best friends business partners creative partners and now soon to be co-parents part 10 of our story brings us full circle family how are our parents siblings and extended fam feeling about this new chapter how will the culture and religion of our upbringings inform the new traditions we build with our child as we carry forward so let's talk a little bit about our families how receptive have they been my parents i may have alluded to this in the past but you know i think we're very uh, certain that this was never going to happen. <laughs> they were pleasantly surprised by that. I think very receptive, uh, surprisingly receptive. Um, I think they have questions. And it is okay to have for people to have questions. And it is understandable for people to have questions. And that does not have any correlation to their acceptance of the situation, you know these kinds of things like in this moment where you're sharing this vulnerable information you may feel like any questions are questions of the whole situation um can make it feel like oh well do you really know what you're doing are you really making a smart decision right it's a it's trying not to be defensive when people have questions and not feeling pressured to have an answer always or i don't know how that's gonna work (laughs) Yeah. yeah but i do know this this is the kind of relationship we have, or this is what we want, or the, and then we'll have to, we'll have to as a family, out. work work through what happens next. Can you give some examples of questions or concerns they've had? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, certainly one of them is about is about you know what if what if Andrew gets married? Going back to this idea that a romantic relationship would then be prioritized over a family relationship. Um, so I think that's, that's definitely a a natural question that comes up. Um, my family has also had like financial questions and, you know, have you thought that through for an older, you know, an older generation in general, um, marriage is equated with safety and that there's something that is permanent and safe and, and like, creates obligation uh and it it, it's easy to think of that something can be forever if it's like if it's a marriage like well if you're not married uh to the person that you're having a child with what protections do you have kind of thing and like not that I've been asked that question directly but I think that's the implication of some of the questions that my parents have had I do I did and do remind them that you know Andrew and I've known each other for a lot longer than than you know some married couples we know that choose to have children together. I think the, the questions come from a really positive place and uh and I have benefited from Andrew's advice to to, to um take them in good faith and to uh try to answer them where I can and not feel pressured when I don't necessarily have an answer. Uh, Have you gotten any questions from yours? 
my family's very supportive. My mom has always been supportive. Um, and my brother, uh, which are really the two that are closest to me. And then I have some cousins that I'm very close to. And uh, by way of just uh, the family's life experience and, and all different kinds of family setups and in and out of wedlock. And I've, I've, I think there's a real fundamental just appreciation for the closeness in the family and and growing a family with children They've known of Amrita for near on, you know, 12 years. And um, I'm I'm fortunate to have a family who I feel really trusts me. For that, I'm very fortunate. And, and then my, my broader family, my cousins, I just feel like they, they are very happy for me. It's really a blessing when you're, you're figuring out a new kind of family structure. Amrita and I that I don't need to turn around and explain myself to my family. It's like they know me and my personality. And a part of showing me that they support me is their trust um, in me. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have an older sister that I'm very close with. And she has always very implicitly understood. Like, it just made perfect sense to her, um, this progression. So, and one thing that I've heard you both talk about is that even though your immediate families are no longer questioning this decision or are not asking questions of this decision, more extended communities might be asking your immediate families questions that they don't ask you. So I come from a pretty big, you know, big, pretty big family, especially on my mom's side. There's definitely a level of orthodoxy there. Definitely that was a source of some stress. You know, we first told our families okay, well, now I have to t- now we have to figure out how to tell the extended family. And that, that did take some time and negotiation. And I wanted to, to be respectful of, but I really kind of wanted to shield them from having to answer a lot of questions from extended family. So my preference was that I, I said, you know, I would, I'm re- really happy to just, you know, p- put this out on the family WhatsApp thread with like all the aunties on it. And to let people know that they can come to me directly if they have questions, complaints, <laughs> judgments, whatever. Um, and so that, but that took some time for my mom to feel comfortable. So I, I did say, I did kind of just keep it really simple. Didn't, didn't fill in all the details. Um, and I ran that by her <laughs> before I did it. I personally haven't heard any blowback. There may be some back channeling. Um, but I've only gotten sort of, you know, anything from polite congratulations to very effusive outreach from people. I know this is kind of a long answer, but the, I just want to add also that I spoke about this with a friend of mine who comes from a similar family background as my mom, very orthodox South Indian Tamil. You know, she had a, a interracial marriage that caused a lot of uh, storm and stress. And, you know, her advice was basically like, well, f- you know, you're not going to make your decisions based on these other people. You can't, they're not going to dictate any of that. So this is in some ways an opportunity to be surprised by the people that you may not know are going to be really supportive, who end up being really supportive. And conversely, unfortunately, maybe discover that there were some people that you thought you were close to that were are not supportive and um, maybe you know, she's like, and those people, I don't have a relationship with anymore. Like, 
So there's, some, there, there's it's a little bit painful, but it's also kind of like good to know, mm-hmm. <laughs> good to discover that. Definitely. And having that clarity about who's really there for you in those moments is big, but it's also really big and brave of you to move forward into that confrontation around that, right? I think it's a big step. Um, I, well, I've, I just felt nervous about it. And, um, you know, my mom has had to deal with some family drama around her own choices in life. And uh, so I know that that's an uncomfortable situation, a position for her to be in. So I did feel a lot of um, anxiety on, on, on her behalf uh, and wanting to make that as easy of a easy of a rollout as possible. And I think I would say that with some time having gone past that we're both kind of pleasantly surprised with the level of chillness from <laughs> most uh, contingents. Great. Andrew, what about you? How receptive? What questions and concerns? Have your family answered for you? I <clears throat> I haven't spoken to my father in years. And so we don't maintain a relationship. And there are many reasons why we don't maintain a relationship. But, and why one of those general reasons is that because he's uh, never been supportive of the many decisions in my life. Um, so... That was a relationship that ended much prior to this situation. And so when I talk about how supportive my family is, I should acknowledge that that's because years ago I made a determination that the people who weren't supporting me weren't going to be part of my family moving forward. And so I, I know through the grapevine that my dad has said some things. Over the holidays when my brother was visiting my dad and was asked about how I was doing and my brother shared the news that I was going to have a child and my dad's first and only comment was isn't he gay and that sort of speaks volumes I, I, I hate to be so dismissive and mean about my dad um, because he has good qualities but he is not someone I would look to to be a supportive figure in my life. In the on the other side of my family, I have only heard vaguely about a you know a comment or two that was made. That's to say, I'm sure there are people with their thoughts in the family, but unlike Amrita, I don't have a large family on either side. That. Uh, and everyone I do know that I'm I'm close to, and and I can say is happy for me. What's your philosophy on your family's involvement with each other and relations with one another? Me, um, I think I have been more and more cognizant that of the relationship that this that a new baby is going to make between me and your family. And this really came to my mind only a few weeks ago, really, when you you had some cousins in town um, and you're very close to your cousins. I guess it like, I mean, intellectually had occurred to me, but maybe emotionally hadn't really occurred to me that, um, you know, 
we're not married, but just the biological reality of this child does create a relationship between me and your cousin, you know, and, and, you know, similarly between like, you know, your brother is going to be my child's uncle, you know, there, there is, there is a relationship there that, um, that's really cool. And like, I, I just like, I, I think have been slowly, uh, awakened to that fact that, um, that d- even though we don't have a like a marriage relationship we don't have a like that type of relationship that i will have a relationship to your family in a different way um of course and vice versa it's an, i'm trying to think back about the first time i met your family the first time i met your mom or your dad and it's been years and years and years uh-huh. which is an interesting thing to think about and we decided to go about this um in this way having a child but I knew your family and I liked your family for years because on some level I did, you know, I did understand that your family is going to be involved, but it, but emotionally I didn't really get there fully until recently when we were, uh, as a group in new Orleans with friends, uh, and your sister was there and she said something about her nephew and and like, oh she's ta- oh yeah she's talking about my kid of, like of course and and i knew it and but it was using the word nephew that felt like in that moment it was like it was like shoo, like the yeah. families have been like sucked together by some like vacuum yeah i was like that's right just as much as i know my brother is looking forward to having a nephew aparna is looking forward to having a nephew and I know that, and now I like feel feel it. Having my cousins here was also interesting because we have uh, recently my cousins lost their their mom, um, and so that was a big loss. Um, and the family feels like it's it's smaller. And so when my cousins were telling me how you know they're excited that you know to have him in our life. It felt really first of like important and sweet, um, and so when when they were here and talking about about him and and him coming home to Asheville and everyone be, it's like, oh yeah, this is like a yeah, thing. and I you know there's obviously a lot of implicit questions there about you know how we how we divide time with our families and how we you know celebrate holidays with our families and things like that. But I think in general, it's just a very, um, it's, it, there's a lot of people who are excited <laughs> about the baby. And, and that's the main thing that's really right. been nice. Um, but yeah, I think it also will create a bond between our families that we're, we don't are yet to know mm-hmm. what that's going to be like. And our moms have met. And I think that will be a really a fun thing to observe how how they uh, develop a relationship together and deepen a relationship together. (laughs) Will you tell us a little more about what happened last weekend? Yeah. So we had a uh, Hindu ceremony um, that is done for a pregnant woman for her first pregnancy. What's it called? It's called, it's called a Valegapu, which is, um, Vale is uh, means uh, bangles and Gapu means protection or blessing. So it's the a chance for people to 
bestow blessings upon the pregnant woman um, symbolized by bangles, putting bangles on her. There was briefly some question about whether I wanted to do it or didn't want to do it. And, and I really felt like, you know, just because we're having the baby in a non-traditional way um, doesn't mean we have to like throw out all the nice ideas of convention and tradition. So it actually started to feel important that we do, we do have like the traditional, some sort of traditional element um, for, for like culturally speaking. You know, maybe you said this, Andrew, but I think it like, it's like, oh yeah, this is the point of ceremonies is that they make things feel marked. marked. Um, and it really felt very meaningful, I think, to me, um, mm. ultimately. So I'm glad you did it because tradition can is, be beautiful. Im- is important to me insofar as, as it can serve as a way of connecting generations conserve you know i don't want to have children uh in a non-traditional way and then buck all tradition in a way that they feel like they're other than than something i mean your you know your sister had the ceremony and i like that you had the ceremony because you know our child it's just it feels like it's something that that they will share. share yeah yeah how did you feel about the this weekend the event Oh, the the event the event was great. Um, like I said, I like tradition. Um, I especially like tradition when it can be teased out from the things that that don't work. Whether it's, you know, a Hindu priest who wants to do something that you don't agree with, or you know, in my case, you know, a, a church, a Christian church that that believes something that I don't. I enjoyed seeing that the tradition. I particularly enjoyed Priya and your mom, um, our friend Priya and your mom singing music is the is a tradition that's always that's like probably most important to me in my own especially in my own religion you know him him singing is very important to me and like takes me back to a place oh him him as in h-y-m-h-y-m yeah yeah, yeah. i definitely thought you meant him as in him the baby baby. singing oh no not him him hymnals so are there traditions that each of you want to carry forward into your new family or into this family? The short answer is yes, and but I am flexible moving forward to what the family what the family becomes. I, there's there are no traditions that for me are hard and fast. You know, I I want my children to understand what the Christian church is, sort of from a philosophical standpoint, and definitely from a communal standpoint. It'll it'll be determined though, of course, where we where we live. I mean that if we're in New York City, it's a different circumstance and if we live somewhere else in the country if we were to move to the south i would i would want my children to feel comfortable in the church i wouldn't want them to be indoctrinated and i wouldn't have concern with that either because i was raised in the church three times a week and my mother would drive us to church and tell us you know you don't need to believe in any of this i just want you to feel comfortable and also that was like the cultural core of our community that aside, but what I pull from that and to your to your question about tradition is there are there are certain traditions around um, holidays, of course, uh, that don't need to be religiously um, observed, but I do like tradition um, where we can have holidays to celebrate and then traditions to enjoy together and to look forward to. If we're talking about religious tradition. 
Um, definitely there are, you know, there are Hindu things that I will want to observe. Um, you know, I would like to create some new traditions that I don't already observe around certain Hindu holidays. I think it would be really nice to have traditions that are specific to Christmas, which I do celebrate in a secular way with my, my family, but to also have, um, you know, Diwali, uh, traditions and, um, to have Navratri traditions and have those also be something distinct that, um, that my kid can look forward to also. And, uh, it's not, maybe not something that I'm really have a strong tradition around do, celebrating myself. Um, I've always wanted to though. Like I've always wanted to, ha- you know, and I think this is like a good excuse to, to say, well, oh, this year for Navratri, we actually are going to set up a golu. So I think that'll be a fun thing to sort of decide how, I think, you know, Andrew and I in general have a very like open arms policy towards all celebratory things. Like, you know, we just need more things to celebrate. So I will say though that it's, it's, I have, um, I agree with everything you just said. I noticed on this celebration this past weekend, because I'm not, I don't have facility in, in language and music, that it's hard, that there's a distinct advantage that, that you have, one of the rare, of being like an American and Indian who's raised in a Christian culture, where you can understand Christian culture and it can be culture and religion and they can be teased out as much as we want to or not but i noticed during the ceremonies like i wish uh particularly i wish i knew things i could sing i you know i i felt sad about that uh-huh. only that i just well, don't funny, have the it's funny knowledge. that you think of it as a as like a advantage that i have whereas i think of it as like well i had to be a burden cultural yeah Christian. No. there's the burden I, yeah and i wish that people knew that when it was a holiday for me right. and would you know know that or like have a little bit more um, just be more conversant and, and but I mean in this particular our particular family situation yeah and I think I think the answer to that is that uh, if you had been like I'm gonna sing I'm gonna sing like this Roy Orbison song or something <laughs> that would have been like very welcome that's like it's like whatever's in the spirit of the thing is much more important than it being in a particular language or you know it's and like, in that way we can create cre- create our own exactly tradition exactly. yeah i mean we've had a very religious answer to your, <laughs> yeah, we did. your question we did. um for two people that are like not really that religious <laughs> on a day-to-day basis but you know these are the things these are certain things i think about and like also i think about language like i want to have a better facility in tamil because i would like i would love for my child to have some facility in that and was it an important part of your growing up uh, language. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tamil was, I think, my first language. Um, but yeah, and it, it, I think it's 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 important. It's been important to me, especially because like the older generations in my family have less facility with English, and so being able to understand them is 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 important. And I wish I was a little bit better at making myself understood to them. Mm. Yeah. So I'm hearing that it's about like connecting with this part of yourself, connecting with potentially connecting with your child self or connecting with the part of yourself that wants to connect with others in your family and giving your child the capacity to do that as well. Yeah, I think it's two things. It's definitely the ability for my child to connect with people in my family, certainly. But I think there's the other part of that is not just like, is not just 
me and my like you know my uh, my feeling with my family but just in general um this is a child that is going to be uh Indian but it's also going to be white and I do have some anxiety about um wanting the kid to feel comfortable in Indian spaces or feel like they're Indian enough or you know and not be worried about that or not and also not like reject their non-white part you know the the part of them that is not white Um, because I think it can be very easy to do that and maybe easy to default to that. So I have a a little bit of anxiety, I think, about that. That makes a ton of sense to me as a half-Jewish person, and I know that none of my other half-Jewish people in my generation are, like, seriously considering Judaism and rituals of Judaism as a path to connection with themselves or our ancestors or, like, others in our communities. And I think it's a real loss and that's a real loss of subjectivity and depth and nuance of our narratives and also a real loss of who we are. What do you think your family will look like? Do you envision more than one kid? I envision more than one kid. <laughs> I envision that and we will see. I would like two or three. I don't know. I What about more than one? <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. You know, we'll see what the, well, yes, we'll see what the childbirth process is like. That's a big deal. That's a big deal to me. And, and see what it's like to have one. And I am I mean, I agree, of course. Open. I am open. I'll say that. I'm definitely open to more than one. But, you know, it's been a long haul. <laughs> so I'm like, oh man, let's climb this mountain before we start climbing the next one. But but, uh, but yes, no, I'm very open. I'm open to it. You know, who's to say that we might not have a child via surrogate in the future right. Right, 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 or, um, you know, or there's other ways for children adopt. to come to fa- adopt, you know, adoption. Like, you know, there, there are other ways that I would we be open foster. to. Absolutely. So like, you know, it could be, it could be another biological child, could be another pregnancy. Um, it could be something different. Um, I'm, I'm open to it, but I'm also like, all right, let's, let's, uh. Let's get through. Let's get through this first one. <laughs> how do you express? How do you express commitment to each other as a family? One, it's the physical time that you are committed to spend um, with one another. It's the uh, physical um, like distance we are, uh, the close proximity we are to each other. Um, it's a commitment of family, um, and and those are just the physical um yeah i think it's about um again because we don't have a template for what commitment to our family looks like it it's about just affirming that commitment to one another um often verbally (laughs) uh getting on the same page figuring out when we aren't and you know things like filling out the chosen family law institute paperwork or even doing this podcast sometimes highlights the things where it's like oh wait we're maybe not like exactly in step but um but you know we don't have to be like we just have to affirm that we are uh willing to talk about it and and figure out where you know figure out how to get on get in step i think our commitment is more to working through any conflict that arises or working through any um, difference in philosophy that arises. 
And we don't know the kid we're going to get. Yeah. So we talk a lot about what, you know, what our commitment to each other is and how we see, but we are committed to being a family and we're committed to, to, to the conversation and that work. I think we have to be committed to doing what is in the best interest of our yeah. family, which is in the best interest of our children. And so and that might mean who, yeah. sacrifices on our, our part. What do you want your kids to call you? Dad. Yeah. Mom or mm-hmm. yeah, some version of that. And how much will you explain to your kids about your relationship? I will explain, I will answer every question they ever have. I don't think kids get confused at a young age uh, about dynamics. Kids develop emotionally um, at certain ages. So there are some things that just aren't appropriate to tell a kid because they can't emotionally understand what it even means. It's just a balance of telling them anything they want to know that's age appropriate, explaining to them the dynamics of the family, answering any questions they have when they head out into the wider world and return and say, this looks different than the kid down the street, um, and just being open to that and non-defensive, which we won't be. And then as they grow up and more occurs to them and they're more able to understand the intricacies and the complexities, then we'll share more. Yeah, I I think... I'm willing to be as open as is cognitively appropriate. And I don't think questions will come up for a little while, Um, especially because we also happen to be a man and a woman. So that might delay some of the questions actually, but I'm very willing to be open about it before there are even questions. Uh, You know, I, I think there's a, there will be probably plenty of people in the kid's life who have, you know, who are being raised by their grandparents or being raised by two moms or, you know, and just, I think there's, it's never really too early to let kids know that there are a lot of different ways that families look. And, and the most important thing is that they have adults who are committed and care about them and they know that they're safe and all those things. So I sort of look forward to that. Actually, I'm not scared of it at all. Um, during this conversation, I just had this image of the two of you as like cartoon characters, <laughs> um, like in a sped up montage of your lives where like you spend time together and then you like float off and do other things and then you spend time together and then you like spend more time together and then you live together and you like do a lot of work together and you do a lot of cool projects together and then you like make this baby. Um, and it's it's a beautiful platonic love story, you know? And I think if you describe your story to your child as friendship they're going to think that friendship is this deep and beautiful (laughs) intimate thing which we aren't always taught you know and what a gift to teach your child that you know absolutely i love that i think that's a that's a beautiful notion and absolutely like you know i think we're lucky very we're all lucky to have different types of different types of love and different types of relationships in our lives and absolutely like andrew you're one of the great loves of my life you know and um and we should all be so lucky to have that this is the last of our planned episodes in this series but we'd love to hear from you these episodes were recorded prior to our baby's arrival in mid-may 2023 would you be interested in hearing a fourth trimester update as we hit the three-month mark continued updates as we navigate parenthood as friends what questions are you left with after all this Don't be shy. 
slide into our DMs at VJ and Stevens on Instagram, or send your feedback to our general mailbox at VJ and Stevens at gmail.com. That's V I J A Y and Stevens with a PH. Or you can leave a review on your podcast app of choice. We normally use this space as a no holds barred outlet to discuss our free range, freewheeling, freelance lives. You can subscribe to follow us where we take this podcast next. We want to send the deepest and most heartfelt thanks to our host and moderator, Marina Weiss, who helped make this series of episodes possible with her dedication to late night recording sessions over weekly dinner. We thank her for her compassion, curiosity, and her determination to make two very private people share their feelings, which was much harder work than you think. Find Marina at marinaweiss.com, and as always, look us up at vjandstevens.com. We'll sign off this time with our longtime motto for this show. If you're thinking about taking a leap off the beaten path in any part of your life, our advice is don't think twice. Ten nine eight seven six five four three two one. Marina, I have things to say. <laughs> um, nuts in my mouth. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what? You aren't recording, were you? <laughs> Trying to do less of, but it's really hard. I don't think it matters if we do it because we can turn it the volume down. Our noises. Our band noises. mouth noises will be really hot, and we'll just but start now that the I album. Hear, I can hear everyone through here, so I can really hear myself. But you know in the beginning of that Billie Eilish album where she takes her retainers out? Mm-mm. It's it's mouth noises. We could have that kind of thing at the beginning of our first album with our band mouth noises. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I grossed my own self out. <laughs> Are you going to make your child sing opera? Not opera, but I'll make him sing bluegrass. (laughs) Your kid is going to be like that, maybe. I'm very excited. Your oven has a song for us.